Oi, oi, people. Silky here, deaf of guitar pop, and you are listening to Stateside Madness because madness are the bollocks. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Stateside Madness Podcast, the one and only podcast of the official Madness American fan service. I'm Lori, along with my co-host Polly, here to bring you news, reviews, and deep dives into the nutty sound of the British pop band Madness. You want to feed the monkeys Well, I'm the man you need to see I am the captain of excursions Everybody know of me We'll navigate the island Exploring sites is great with us Cause when we're moving we are grooving On our reggae party bus Have you seen my yellow buses? They'll pick you up just by the shack There's a turtle tour tomorrow Feeding monkeys coming back And with my leather briefcase I'll do business on the sand I have Captain Melvin's tickets Just for you here in my hand So it's Captain Melvin's reggae party Bringing paradise in style. People cheer us as we're passing. A turquoise backdrop, what a sight. Hello, and welcome to the Stateside Madness Podcast, the podcast for madness fans. I'm Lori. And I'm Polly. And Polly, what have we got going on today? So today we're going to be talking to Ollie, otherwise known as Silky from the fresh brash upstart band death of guitar pop i'm going to be a little self-indulgent here and talk a little bit about how i came to uh, come across death of guitar pop um you know it's not the norm for a crusty old shit like me to listen to anything new um but uh you know here we are being part of stateside madness has allowed Lori and i to talk to a lot of our heroes um, and on one occasion, I was talking with Louis Alfonso from Bad Manners, and uh, he was very gracious, very willing to let me ask all the fanboy questions and talk about anything at all. And he mentioned Nick Welch. And uh, those of you who don't know Nick, he is uh, performing these days as uh, King Hammond. Now, over the years, I kind of lost track of Nick since um, he moved on from Bad Manners and since he moved on from The Selector. And as is the way with things um, on the interwebs, uh, you know, you can look up anything now. So I was kind of just perusing YouTube and catching up with what uh, Nick was doing. 
And lo and behold, guess what comes on? Hey, Silky, let's shuffle. Hey, Top Cat, let's hustle. See the death of guitar pop shuffle. They've got my attention, but could they hold it? Well, in the next hour, we will answer that. So if you would, here are the heralds of the fourth wave, the UK chart shakers, uh, the ultimate DIY entrepreneurs, not just another pub band, and just back from the Skamath Festival, Stateside Madness, would you please welcome Ollie Silky Hookins from oy oy. Of Guitar Pop. <laughs> nice one, Polly. Well, yeah, I'm very flattered with that introduction, mate. Um, yeah, so so you discovered us through uh, our, our song with King Hammond, the Dog Pea Shuffle. Absolutely. Uh, and it's not one that, um, you know, when I saw it, I wasn't like, well, I'll put this away and get back to that sooner or later. Um, immediately, immediately, I was digging through YouTube and finding out if you had put anything else of your own out. And of course, by that time, you you, you had uh, a bit of a portfolio happening. So yeah, I, I, I was uh, pretty, pretty into it from the get go. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, that collab. Um, so our uh, our sound engineer, Rob Coates, uh, is good friends with uh, Nick. They used to play um in bands together uh so rob did a stint on drums for bad manners uh and you know nick's just sort of a bit of a legend of the um of the uk scar scene and said you've got to do some stuff with with king hammond you know and uh so it, yeah i i went i got the train uh from where i'm from in brentwood essex up to his place in islington and we went for a, a calf breakfast and hit it off immediately he's a really lovely guy um and went back to his flat and met his missus and his dog and had a cup of tea it was like really chilled they were really welcoming and yeah just uh made a friend instantly or friends instantly i should say and on the train home i was just listening through um to his back catalogue and that king hammond shuffle from i think it was 1987 when he recorded that which was actually the year i was born um that came on uh and i was like fucking hell man we've got to do something with this this is just ready made for our audience and um you know there it's a great track and it's and it still stands up now but it was recorded 
uh, in a demo studio one afternoon, just a couple of hours in the studio. I think Nick played all the instruments on it. So it's quite rough and ready, that recording as well. And um, I just thought that we could freshen it up a little and modernise it without losing the, um, you know, the the track's original charm. So, yeah, to, to get him on the track and, uh, yeah, do like a modern a modern take of, a, of an old school Scar uh, gem was, yeah, it was really good fun. It's really good fun. Yeah, fantastic track. Okay, so Ali, we might as well start at the beginning. How did Death of Guitar Pop start? Okay, so um, I was in a band uh, called States of Emotion uh, from the age of like 14 till uh, about 28, 29. Um, and like sort of every other band that starts in a garage in our teens, we thought we were going to take over the world and be the next U2. Um, and, and we slogged it out. We worked really hard and we were terrible for many years, but we got good um, just through sheer determination and putting in, uh, you know, the hours in, in rehearsal and playing every um, rough and ready toilet venue up and down the country several times. Um, and then, yeah, things picked up for the band. We got a record deal and a booking agent and manager, all the traditional stuff. Um, but that experience was actually a sour one. Um, the... Uh, the label shelved us and never put our record out. Um, the booking agent didn't want to um, support us once they figured out that the label was just shelving us. Um, so, yeah, it ended up being a bit of a negative experience um, signing a record deal. You know, we thought it was going to be the holy grail for us as artists. And um, yeah, so the back end of that cycle of being in that band um I ended up putting the record out independently. I didn't know what I was doing um, and it didn't do very well. And I just got to a, a point where I was very burnt out with uh, pursuing a music career. I felt like a failed artist. Um, so yeah, I knocked it on the head and, and thought that was it. Um, and I licked my wounds for a few months. And during that period where I was down and feeling sorry for myself and thinking that my time as an artist was over, um, I found my way back to my first um, my first musical love, which was the band Madness. Um, my parents got me into it at a very young age, five, six years old. Um, you know, Suggs was my original musical hero. Um, and that was, yeah, I don't know, man. I just sort of come full circle and, and um, went right back to my roots and, um, and was binging Madness. Um, and then I ended up down this scar rabbit hole uh, and just got really into all different kinds of ska music uh, from Trojans, Blue Beat to the rest of the two-tone back catalogue, uh, the third wave, third wave stuff uh, in America. I was just loving it all and it was a breath of fresh air to me because um, I didn't know a lot of that music. I, I knew Madness from that being a band that I was into when I was growing up as a kid. Um, and I knew the specials, big hits and uh, a few others, but I didn't know there was this like wonderful, um, you know, like back catalogue of amazing music from all around the world. Um, so that inspired me to pick up my guitar again and write some some new music in, in that Scar style. Um, so I wrote the song Rickety Old Train and uh, another song called Trivial Talk, which is on our first album. And um, my initial idea was to try and get like a Jamaican sounding singer um, to make like a more throwback sort of Trojan style of scar. 
and I couldn't find that singer. So I thought, fuck it, I'm, I, I can do the Suggs thing and make it more two-tone. I'm, you know, uh, from down south and, and, and uh, it felt sort of authentic to me to sing in that style. Um, yeah, so I just put a two-tone spin on it uh, and that's sort of the, that's, that's how the idea was born. Um, and yeah, I, I, I ended up linking back up with my old buddy Johnny, um, Top Cat. So Johnny was in a band called The Tomorrow Men and we played on the Essex circuit together uh, when I was in States of Emotion and we became really good friends instantly. Um, the, the first night that we, we were on the build together, it was my birthday and we ended up going back to mine and listening to the Stone Roses uh, uh, into the wee hours and having a drink, a drink together and that. Um, and yeah, when I was when I was writing these initial uh, songs for Death of Guitar Pop, I was literally I had a job one uh, I had a job back then where I was uh, valeting cars, and it was a Saturday morning. I was washing a car, and uh, just the idea popped into my head to uh, to give Johnny a ring because he's got this quintessentially British songwriting style. Um, uh, yeah, he in the Tomorrow Men they were kind of like the Kinks. Um, they had a very kind of mod element to them. Um, so yeah, we, we linked back up and that's how the bands um, started really. We just started writing together and, and it's progressed from there. Great, thank you for mentioning the kinks. I, I tried to not let an episode go by where we don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, um, I'm just thrilled he mentioned the Stone Roses. See, that's I, more I'm, my, I'm, that's I'm my forte. I'm definitely a fan of them too, okay. yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, the Stone Roses, that, that debut record of theirs is probably still my favourite album of, of all time. Um, yeah, and the Kinks, I mean, they're just fucking legends, aren't they? Yeah, so it seems like dissatisfaction with record labels really uh, motivated you in a, a sort of a roundabout way. Um, mm. But, you know, here you're doing it for yourself now and, and having uh, pretty decent success at it, I would say, but but really, how much of a grind is it doing all of this work? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's, it's hard work. It is a real grind. Um, I would I, I spend probably like 80% of my music career on the business and marketing side and 20% performing, writing and recording in the studio. Um, but, you know, it's a sacrifice that worth making i think based on my previous experience in states of emotion and not having the control and having the record label let us down um and what's really cool now is it's the the, the sort of hacks that we've uh, developed through this process in, in in death of guitar pop we're now helping an, a whole community of diy musicians uh, apply the same methods to their projects and and they're able to market and monetize themselves so um, yeah, it is, it is a grind. It's hard work. Um, it's running a business and, and growing a business from the ground up. Um, and there's like, like with any business, there's constant uh, trials and tribulations and you meet resistance, uh, you know, all day, every day. Um, but it's, it's fucking inspiring. And, and, and we're really proud that we've been able to have a charting album completely DIY, self-managed, no label, no publisher, and we really believe that if we keep pushing, you know, we're, we're in this for the long haul, um, you know, one day we'll achieve a number one album over here, DIY. But we're not we're under no, uh, you know, illusions uh, that it's, that it's uh, 
um, we, we just we know it's not going to be easy. We know it's going to be five, ten years, you know, to hit that goal of, of more grinding, you know. Um, but yeah, it's it's cool, man. We've just learned to embrace it. Okay, so Polly has a list here of music, so he wants me to play at this point. Rickety Old Train and Scott is the Bullocks. Coming band such as yours get Neville Staples to guest on a song. Um, I mean that was just uh, yeah, what an honor that was to collab with uh, with Nev. Um, how that came about was uh, so Neville's wife Christine uh, organizes the festival Skarmouth, which we played um, on Sunday night, just gone. She got in touch with us like real early doors uh, when we first put uh, Rickety Old Train out, our first single music video. And she booked us for Skarma Festival. Um, I think the, 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 uh, the, the bill was full, but she discovered us and just wanted to get us involved. So um, she got us to do like an acoustic, like busking set, um, which was pretty cool. Um, so we, we formed a relationship um with Neville through through Christine and um yeah well, I just sort of sent her a message uh when we were recording Suburban Scar Club in the studio 
and, and said, look, we've got this song, we're working on our album at the moment and we think Neville would be perfect for it. Um, you know, would he be interested in doing a collab with a new band like us? And um, yeah, like they, 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 were, they were totally up for it. And within a couple of weeks, um, they were down at our studio and we, we, we recorded that. Neville come and recorded his vocals and we shot the music video uh, in the same afternoon. So him, him coming and recording these parts in the studio and then going next door to the photography studio where we filmed the video, that was all, we turned that round in like four or five hours. Uh, it was so fucking bizarre. Like, uh, yeah, to just like have a special down at the studio with us, like on our first record and, and for him to just come down, smash the vocal take in like a couple of takes and then be in the room next door dancing with him like an hour later. And then within like four or five hours, he was just gone. And it was like, fuck, did that happen? That was crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, we, and we caught up with Neville and Christine uh, Sunday just gone at Skarma Festival. So it was great to see them again because we hadn't seen them since before the lockdowns and that. So they, they've been like massive supporters of what we've done. And um, yeah, certainly played a massive part in our DIY success for sure. So then speaking of this quick turnaround that you mentioned, you've put out three albums in a fairly short amount of time. How does a band without a major label accomplish that? So, so crowdfunding has been integral, really. Um, that's, that's the lifeblood, really, of, of, those, of, of those releases. Um, I mean, what's, what's so cool about it is it's a way of like an independent band like us uh, being able to generate your own the equivalent of like a record company advance but from your fans do you know what i mean on pre-orders um so yeah it's just been the crowdfunding really and the audience getting behind it um and always pushing us on to to release new music like every time so we're on our fourth crowdfunder now for our fourth album which feels a bit mad when i say that out loud um yeah and we've we've generated like 15 grand in in about a month and a half since that's uh, been launched so and we only the, the, the new album the latest album pucker sounds only came out uh, uh september just gone so we've just got a really diehard audience that just want to keep want to see us keep progressing and they want more new music all the time so we're just very blessed to have a great audience that are always up for crowdfunding the albums that's so cool. That's so cool. 
to be able to make a living doing what you love like that. I'm a little jealous, but so, so back to madness and Suggs being an influence. So you've kind of talked about, it sounds like in your teens in particular, they were a big influence or actually before then you said you were growing up listening to madness with your parents. Is that where this line in when the Scott calls comes from, where you mentioned the nuttiest of feelings, is that a, a madness reference? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a nod to them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Members of Madness? Yes, yes. So um, I've met Suggs a uh, couple of times when, when um, he was doing his like one man uh, tours. Um, so he's like Life Story uh, and Evening With. They uh, stopped at South End, which is local to me. And uh, yeah, the first time I met him uh, was with my dad, which was a really cool full circle moment because, as I say, it was him that got me into Madness in the first place. Uh, he was a real gentleman, really, really lovely, had a lot of time for us. I asked him to uh, to write One Better Day uh, on my arm in Sharpie so that I could get a tattoo of it, but he wouldn't do it. He was like, no, I'm not being held responsible for that. You'll regret it in years to come. But I wouldn't have fucking regretted it. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that was the first time I met him. And then the second time I met him was with my brothers. Um, so he did the King Canute tour, which was like a follow on, like part two of his life story. And yeah, we hung about afterwards, me and my brothers, and had a picture with him. And then we, we were really lucky to have um, been invited to, it was an evening with bedders um, to celebrate 40 years of One Step Beyond. It was like a Q&A uh, that he was doing. And we got invited to go there and play um, a little acoustic set. And then the night before, the promoter rang us and said that um, Bedders and his friend Terry Edwards, who's a, a sax player, they want to get up and do a tune with you tomorrow night. Would you be up for doing The Prince? Uh, so, yeah, we, we ended up performing with, uh, with Bedders doing The Prince, which was, uh, yeah, fucking like just childhood dream stuff. Yeah. So, and he's a real, real gentleman, really lovely guy. I got to ask, what's your favorite Madness song? Oh, okay. Uh, one Better Day, I think. Yeah, One Better Day. I think that's a beautiful song. I mean, look, if you're going out like, um, you know, and you want to get in the party mood, then it's going to be The Prince or one of the classics like One Step Beyond or something. Um, but I just think one, one Better Day is this just beautiful melancholy yeah i just love it i just love it yeah but it's, i mean with your favorite bands it's so hard to to pick 
one song do you know what i mean because they're your favorite bands because you love all their songs so um yeah it might change in like you know tomorrow <laughs> and you know and with madness too you know they they don't stick entirely to one genre too so you you know you can say you've got a favorite ska style song of theirs yeah. or you've got a favorite you know just straight head pop or whatever but speaking sort of of straight ahead pop i've gotta ask you about the james blunt song right <laughs> cool like particularly because um you know james blunt hit over here with that god-awful fucking song <laughs> but um you know it might be a different thing in the uk um you know i don't know how visible he is over there thankfully nobody talks about him here now but um what you know really what compelled you to write that song uh well firstly look i don't want to hate on james blunt the guy is he's a bit of a cult hero uh you know he's he's got this brilliant like when people troll him on twitter he's like the comeback king um and he's got a like, very self-deprecating sense of humour. Um, he seems like a top geezer. So all love to James Blunt. But um, yeah, it's like, so it was just me like um, using his name as like Cockney rhyming slang um, and, and just a bit of like, yeah, like tongue in cheek, like British humour, really. Um, so yeah, and that's, that song was um, just... Uh, yeah I wanted to I wanted to I guess like I, I was lyrically I was really influenced by like um you know Britpop uh bands like Blur uh, and and um uh Pulp probably lyrically was what my I, I guess like Ian Dury and and Always Suggs um but yeah I just wanted to to write a song um about you know the everyman that's going through a shit time at christmas going through a breakup and i wanted to get some some sort of classic like british pop culture references in there um and yeah i, I guess like things like links africa gift box set and the radio times that might be a bit lost on you guys are very british references there um yeah and 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 i just i had i had this idea to to write this christmas song and I, that could be the, I might be, that might be the song that I'm most proud of out of any song that I've ever written. Um, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that like, it's still, it's, it's still got more, there's still more, uh, a bit more life in that, in that song. Do you know what I mean? It'll get more adopted as, as the years go on. To settle down with you was the plan. I was ready to become a family man But now I'm feeling like a right James Blunt of Christmas Pint after pint of lager and lime Tears drop into my tipple, I'm on the decline Oh yes, I'm feeling like a right James Blunt of Christmas Bollocks to your carols, bollocks to your mince pies Bollocks to Ebenezer Scrooge, bollocks to a merry old time The way I'm feeling, like a right James Blunt of Christmas I stagger about underneath the Christmas lights 
It could it could be the next you know version of you know the Slade Christmas song. You could, right. yeah, <laughs> you could, <laughs> you could supplant that. Well, since we said Slade, Lori, you can edit this out. Lori, Lori's, <laughs> she's already giving me the hairy eyeball. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, any love for Slade? I'll be honest with you, mate. I'm not. Uh, I, shamefully, oh, oh, I, I can only think of the oh, come on, feel the noise. Obviously, is is a fucking banger. Um, but yeah, other than that, and uh, and the Christmas song, I'm not that aware of of their material. But I know that uh, they were a massive influence on on like Oasis. And uh, yeah, I should probably give them more of a listen, mate, because I'm not that familiar with their uh, back catalogue. All right, fair enough, Laurie. Sorry about that. So Are you you've played got- band them. Oh, huge, huge. Cool. Yeah, where, do, where should I start? Like, what album should I start with? Um, sure. So uh, most of their um, albums have a play on the word Slade. So there's mm-hmm. Sladeist, there's Slade, as in Slay, the word Slay, E-D. So oh, yeah. uh, I, would, I would suggest either one of those. Okay, cool, man. I've made a note of that. And they've got a horrible movie, too, called Slade in Flame, if you want to get a copy of that and watch it. Um, uh, it'll be the worst two hours you've spent of your life. <laughs> You're really um, selling it to me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you've got a fairly active fan club, uh, which is, you know, kind of an outdated, uh, you know, apologies, but, you know, it's yeah. kind of an outdated idea in 2022. Uh, yeah. But it seems to be working for you, um, you know, how does that go? How do you get people attracted to it? Well, I think that, um, you know, it absolutely is old school. And, um, yeah, I guess on the surface does seem a little outdated. But I think that if you think about how we all consume nowadays anyway, like it is a bit of a subscription-based, like, um space now do you know what i mean for consumers and if you think about netflix and amazon and all that shit like you know i I feel like um bands should adopt that more do you know what i mean like because um it's it's essentially like it's it's another form of crowdfunding for us it's another like uh it's, it's it's more financial lifeblood for our diy setup um and yeah, how, how we go about promoting it is the same way we promote anything else. Uh, we just we just plug it on our socials and we put um, ad money behind that and push it out to our engaged audience so that everybody sees it because Facebook's organic reach is, is shit and, and that's how it's built, really. They want you to pay to reach your audience. Um, but, you know, it works out well for us and... and um, we've been getting a lot of signups we've got i mean it's been going for about three years now the fan club and we've got uh about 450 um subscribers um and yeah i guess people like the 
they like well one they get like cool perks do you know what i mean like exclusive merchandise um a video message on their birthday from the band um we we do like an exclusive release um you've got one there i see the the live uh cd album there yeah yeah. Um, you get my money every month (laughs) cheers man really appreciate it nice one polly um yeah so we just feel like that that's got to be the way forward now for independent creators to to have a supporters club um and and everybody supports you uh you know on a, on, a, on a monthly um financial like donation and in return they get all this cool exclusive content and merch um and yeah it's working well for us you know it's it's been it's been an absolute godsend uh you know because it's helped us to to, to sort of grow as a band and a business and, and do more of this and make more music. And obviously that's what it's all about. It's really important. And I think we've been bold enough at times to put that value on ourselves. Do you know what I mean? Um, we're a relatively own, unknown band still with, um, you know, a fairly like small fan base, if you compare it to the, the bands that get played on, um, you know, uh, daytime radio over here. Um, but we know like what we're delivering and what we mean to our fan base, we mean just as much to our, some of our fans as madness do to them. Do you know what I mean? They're as into our songs as other huge bands. So we, we try and make sure that we, we don't undersell ourselves and, and, and we think that it's important for DIY musicians to recognize the value in their art and and adopt these modern ways of monetizing to take the power off you know the old uh, boys club of the traditional music industry you know is is renowned for exploiting artists and um yeah just just take a bit of that ownership back i hear you have a podcast yes tell yeah. me about that how did that come about yeah we launched it in uh when did we launch it i think it was uh, early feb late jan something like that so it's called the life a musician podcast so l-i-f-e-r oh. life a musician podcast yeah and it's aimed at like our fellow diy musicians really we i mean uh, the first episode was top cat and i um talking all about business and marketing hacks that we've developed to have our sort of diy success in uh, in death of guitar pop just sort of sharing that that knowledge and those methods in hope that it will be a valuable resource to to fellow independent musicians uh, and yeah i've i've had some some really cool guests on already some of my friend dan from block 33 who's they're like a, a diy mod band that i've been mentoring for a few years now and I, I had someone on recently who's like a streaming expert. She was working for Parlophone uh, for a little while, and now she's helping independent artists. So yeah, I've just created it as a, a bit of a resource, really, for for DIY musicians in hope that it will spread a bit of the gospel and, and empower some artists to to go and do some entrepreneurial stuff uh, that I discovered. So I just wanted to, uh, yeah, put my own knowledge out there and our own experiences in hope that it will help some um, some other musicians. Yeah, and I'd encourage anybody to listen to it. I've listened to a few of um, probably your first three episodes. And um, yeah, yeah, you need not be scared off if you're not a, a working musician. Uh, you know, it's very insightful if you just have any curiosity about the music business at all. Very well done, too. 
All right, folks. So we would be remiss if we didn't talk about what were the best top five dog pee songs. If you even doubt whether they're truly a DIY band, you know they don't have an A&R guy saying, you know, uh, we, we tested dog pee and uh, it didn't play well in the Midwest. Um, so no, that's, uh, that's their acronym. It's true. It's them. It's Death of Guitar Bob. But um, I picked out five songs that I think really uh, kind of define these guys and where they are right now. So it's off the first three albums and let us get right to it. First, why don't we listen to Just Another Pub Band? So that was just another pub band. Ollie, do tell us how that song came about. I guess that 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 one is like um, it, it's just celebrating what it is to be like, you know, in a, in a proper guitar band. Do you know what I mean? And go around and play the circuit, play the pubs, rough and ready. I mean, there's like. I, I guess a lot of it's sort of biographical um, and, you know, there's a touch on my own mental health and my own frustrations with like trying to get on in the music business. But then there's a lot of like tongue in cheek humor as well about what uh, is, is, is told from the perspective of like a, a pub band that play covers. Do you know what I mean? To 15 people, at the dog and squirrel, like on a, on a Wednesday night or whatever, but it doesn't fucking matter because we're here we're playing music and, and we love it sort of thing, you know? Yeah, I guess I guess that's that. And it is truly a clever take on a song. You know, there's been no shortage of songs about touring life, but they all come from that sort of vibrato of like, we're an awesome band, like the boys are back in town or something like that. Um, mm. And it never really hints on what the reality of it and the disappointment and the angst and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, exactly. And, and that's exactly it. I just wanted to try and, like, yeah, bottle that up into four minutes or however long it is. And there's a line about, like, smoke on the water and back in black. And when we say this is one of our own, you're going to run to the back and our souls will die a little inside. Um, you know, there's been plenty of occasions where I've been out watching bands and the cover band will say, oh, we're going to play one of our own now. And everyone just fucks off to the bog like no one's got any time for it whatsoever and you know it's yeah it's 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 fucking uh, it's character building stuff in it being in a band and uh yeah i guess i just wanted to write a song about what that what that entails you know the song really does have a wicked hook and i would say that's going to be the commonality between these five songs that i picked was that you know you guys really do have the craft 
uh, for not just saying something, but making it sound really, really good. Uh, you know, your production's really good. And we've got a great producer in the form of Mitch Aylin. He's He's fucking awesome. Yeah. Okay, well, the next song that we've selected, our number four favorite by Death of Guitar Pop, is called Back of a Lorry. And no, this is not my back. This is a, a, a British term for a truck, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if something like uh, fell off the back of a lorry, it's like, um, you know, it got nicked. And, and so, so like where we're from in Essex, there's this like old school, um, like hustler culture where people just get things. And it's like, where did that come from? Like it fell off the back of a lorry, you know? Um, and it's usually like, what we call like knocked off clothing or whatever like sometimes it's real sometimes it's uh sometimes it's counterfeit or whatever and uh when i was trying to make a bit of money when i was like i don't know like 17 18 something like that i had some friends that would get hold of this and i, I did for a little while i sold a bit for them and that and um yeah it's just like discussing that and the funny kind of like wheeler dealer culture um where we're from in essex like well to do normal like middle class uh mums in essex do you know what i mean they'll, they'll get involved and go oh yeah yeah like tina's got some of that off the back of a lorry do you know what i mean it's not even it's not even seen as like a crime where we're from to like oh yeah it's off of, off the back of a lorry i'll get somewhere you? you know what i mean it's uh so yeah, we just wanted to talk about that a little bit, really, and um, like the, the sort of wheeler dealer characters where we're from in Essex and um, what what goes on with this stuff. Do you wanna buy a t-shirt, son? Fell off the back of a lorry, don't tell no one. I got rap track suits by the ton. Fell off the back of a lorry, don't tell no one. Jekyll's at a real McCoy The driver took a dig, he's under manners out, boy His bit saying Jekyll's at a real McCoy The driver took a dig and got a son Stone Island Coast, genuine Stone Island Coast And if you're a bit of a boat we got some Gucci loafers for your wardrobes Stone Island Coast, genuine Stone Island Coast all right in at number three and i would encourage you to watch the video it is singles night Weapon generating envy I'm nearly drowning in a dim 
All right, Stateside Madness listeners, that was Singles Night. And Ollie, explain Singles Night to us. So this one was written by Top Cat. Uh, and I think it was he was down his local boozer and he saw a poster um, advertising like a singles night. Do you guys have singles nights like where you're from? Uh, yeah, there's variations of that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's just a, like, a local singles night uh, in the pub. And um, I think that, yeah, he just sort of like took what he saw on the poster and uh, how he imagined that night to be. He then wrote a song about what he, what he imagined that night would entail. You made a point of saying it was what he imagined the singles night to be. So he didn't actually go to the singles night is what you're saying. Yeah. 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 And it's clever, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, you do things kind of tongue in cheek and the video definitely demonstrates that. All right. Our number two choice, whatever gets you out of the house. Let's listen. tell me about this song it's kind of cool i like it nice one yes yeah, so, i mean this one was written by top cat as well and um yeah this was about his local pub just observing the characters the different characters that get in there on a saturday night and get on a session and yeah he was just sort of like calling it as he as he saw it really and just writing about yeah a group of fellas out on the beer on a on a, on a saturday night in his local pub and the sort of things that they get up to. And uh, yeah, it's just about pub culture, basically, British pub culture. 
One of the things that I really like, though, is you really kind of with a lot of these songs are, are telling a story and kind of invoking a time and a place and, yeah. and like creating this this narrative, which is something that, you know, Madness does. It's something that the Kinks do. And and I, I definitely pick that up in a lot of your songs. I think that's very cool. Cool. Nice one. Yeah. And if I must say, I think this is by far your most dynamic and possibly most uh, catchy chorus that you've got uh, you know, you, house yeah oh absolutely i mean there's no walking you know walking past the stereo when it's on and not really really super paying attention it's it's definitely you know quite the hook it absolutely grabs you nice one yeah i mean it always goes down so well in the live set this one yeah, we we always play it like one from the end, and it and it just yeah it boots off every time. I don't I don't think we'll ever not play it in a live set because it's just just energy from the start to the finish, and and yeah, people love it. It's cool. And then moving on to number one, I haven't talked about it yet, really, and it won't be a surprise to your fans, but to folks who aren't familiar, this is probably the song didn't necessarily start things off for you, but it's definitely a real early and impactful one. It is 69 Candy Street. She struggles to get by through heavy loads. It's dog eat dog where there's no bones and I can see All right, so that was 69 Candy Street, and I gotta say, it is a super, super endearing song. Thank you. Um, very relatable. Don't be confused and think that, uh, you know, it's uh, by the title and think that it's like sexy time for death of guitar pop. It's in fact just, uh, you know, I don't know if that was inadvertent or what, but um, yeah, super, super clever song. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so my friend was actually living at that address in, in Bow in East London. And, you know, I just loved that. I was, Fuck, that sounds amazing. 69 Candy Street. And he's a real character as well, my mate Fletch. The song's about like just the everyday working grind and, and wanting to escape that and wanting something more. And so 69 Candy Street for me was like 
you know, this parallel universe away from the, the, the daily working grind. And I think when I wrote it, I'd been out washing cars that day in the freezing cold and I just got home and was fucking knackered and picked up my guitar. And it was actually quite slow um, and sombre when I was first writing it. You know, I was just, I wrote a chorus first and, and it was, yeah, it was quite sort of melancholy and, and slow. But then, yeah, I, d- I don't know. I just decided to like make it more up tempo and a bit of a party, like somewhere along the way. Yeah. And that was the idea, really. It's just about this like wondrous place, like it's a parallel universe, this mecca away from the everyday grind. And if you're stuck in a dead end job, this is the exact opposite of that. This is that amazing thing. And um, yeah, that's that's where the idea come from. And the um, the pop culture reference is, uh, is Kevin Webster who's like a, a, a soap um, character uh, from a popular British soap called Coronation Street. And he's a mechanic and he's had a fucking tough life. Like uh, he's a real working class hero and, and he's had lots of ups and downs and he's been, in, he's been on the show for fucking decades. I'm not really an avid soap fan, but every time like Coronation Street's on most nights, and every time you see him pop up on the screen, he just looks fucked and <laughs> weathered and like he's got all the weight of the world on his shoulders. Do you know what I mean? So I thought it would be like quite a quite a funny uh, pop culture reference to have him in there as depicted as like a working class hero, um, you know. And uh, yeah, it's it just that song seems to have uh, captured people's imagination because like at the shows now people turn up with the uh, union jack umbrella that i have in the music video people wear kevin webster face masks uh, there's a line in it it's dog eat dog where there's no bones and i can see that you're without a bone i know a place where there's lots of bones 69 candy street and people are turning up to the shows with like like but like not actual fucking bones but like uh, big plastic bones and like frying them on the stage at the end when we're playing Candy Street. Um, so yeah, it's nuts, man. It seems to have really caught people's uh, imagination that one, and it's such good fun to play live. It's got this real upbeat, like jubilant energy about it every time we play, and it always feels like a bit of a triumph at the end of the set, you know. Ali, before we before we let you go, could you tell our listeners where can they find more of Death of Guitar Pop? Okay, so yeah, we're on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, etc. And we manage the socials ourselves. So DM on there and it will be one of us that gets back to you. And we also have a merch website at scarclub.shop. And they can find your music on Spotify or? Yeah, yeah. so um, yeah, our music's on all the major streaming platforms. All the music videos are on YouTube. And if you uh, if you want to buy physicals, we, we do vinyl and uh, CD and cassette uh, of all the albums uh, and they're available also at scarclub.shop. Okay, so scarclub.shop. And also don't forget to check out the Lifer Musician podcast. Ollie, thank you so much for coming. As we uh, have um, a habit of doing, we like to announce the exit song that we play at the end, and uh, it would only seem fitting being on an American podcast if we left with number one in America. Nice touch, guys. Thanks for having us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Nice one.
You know, one thing I wish I had asked him, Polly, uh-huh. why do they call him Silky? I don't know. All right. Well, it is you a know. mystery. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Stateside Madness fans. So that would be the end of our episode. And as is our like, we want to pick a special song to exit the episode. And given that we had such a good time talking to Ollie, and given that they're a band that should be real big here in the United States, let's show them a little love. Let us listen to number one in America. So thank you again to Ollie and to Death of Guitar Pop. And thank you to our listeners. It's a goodbye from me. And that's a goodbye for me as well. Go get a beer, Stateside Madness. I'm the living I'm the footprint filled with booze I'm the wild child in sensible shoes I'm the human remains oh, of your love Shoulders a cape built to fly, and we flew there together. You write down the words, I've heard all the tunes, and they sound just like me and you. You know that they sound, they sound just like we do. Ooh, oh, they sound just like me and you. You know that they sound, they sound just like we do. Ooh, the stars of our own cartoon. It was just like a dream, yeah. A jet set, black maxi dress, and your trademark cast and nets and the reviews. They say we can't possibly lose. You know they sound just like me and you. You know that they sound, they sound just like we do. 